Hey mamas, it's Cindy and Emily and welcome to Imperfect Mom's Guide. This podcast is far from kid-friendly, so grab some earphones for you or for them. We talk all things from mental health struggles, parenting fails, and the occasional shaving of buttholes. Buckle up and get ready for the shit show. And let's get ready to talk shit, eat cake, and tell judgmental moms to mind their own motherhood. stay-at-home mom and he is now two a little over two full of energy never stops so I tried to hold down the fort and my husband Nick he works full-time so we try to balance all that out um yeah that's perfect that's perfect <laughs> me and Daniel were actually just talking the other day about how we haven't seen you guys since Jet was first born and I was like oh, we have to get together with them and have dinner or something yeah that's what Nick and I were actually talking about too we we're like wow it's been that long it's yeah. it's hard trying to find time for anything it's like not enough hours in the day for sure for sure and the fact that we live so far away from each other like I say that it's far but it's not that far like we could definitely make it work but life is just hectic I completely get it very much so yeah that's all right so I don't know um I do want to say that there's a trigger warning for this episode for everybody listening um I'm going to speak about Nick and I's journey with IVF and I'm already getting emotional. <laughs> oh. uh, it's so many highs and lows. So very happy moments, funny moments, and then very sad moments. So there is um, yeah, mention of infertility and loss as well. So, all right. <laughs> Nick and I, um, a little about us. We both, we met each other in 2013, which seems so long ago. Can't believe together in years now. It's like wow. Um, we then we were dating. He moved in with me, and then 2016 we got engaged. Um, sorry, I keep looking at my notes because I don't want to. <laughs> you are so fine. You should see me. I'm always like, oh shit, what were we talking about? <laughs> and then we finally got married on May 5th, 2018. So that was very fun. That's I think that's my favorite part about your guys' relationship is that you're both born on a holiday and that your uh, anniversary is on Cinco de Mayo. I love that. Yep. Yeah, he was born on um, Christmas. I was born on Halloween. So, And then Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> we can never forget each other's birthdays and anniversary. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Starting off, um, we s- decided that when we got married, we would stop birth control and um, just hopefully have a kid right away. And I was, you know, expecting to get pregnant a month or two after stopping. And that was our intentions. Um, 
And unfortunately, two months into it, nothing was happening. So then I started, you know, tracking ovulation. And, you know, this time, this date, and it started to feel, you know, forced. Just trying to, because we wanted it so bad. Um, so then we did four months of tracking and still nothing. So then I started becoming concerned. And I, the profession says, you know, you should wait a year of trying. Right. But I just, I felt something wasn't right. So we went ahead and I went to my OB to find out, you know, what we could do, if there was anything they can test for. Um, so they did, that was in November, December of 2018. So they did blood work on me. It all looked good. He wasn't concerned in any of those areas. I didn't have any symptoms, you know, that I knew of. Um, so they went ahead and did a sperm analysis on Nick, which was hilarious of how, you know, <laughs> how he do all that. Um, it was, yeah, we'll always remember that. Um, and then, so unfortunately his test did not come back very good. His numbers were very low. And so he felt that there was enough to refer us to an infertility doctor, Dr. Wilshire. And so I first available appointment we could get, we went ahead and did it. And then with him, you know, we repeated, repeated the blood work, redid the sperm analysis. And it was even worse news for his sperm analysis um, when they called. And he has sperm they just don't work correctly they just go in a circle instead oh. of moving like they should so um he nick went ahead and did genetic testing and we found out that he has a genetic disorder and i don't remember what it's called because it was you know a term i want to say it was his y chromosome which caused it. And it's so weird because it just, it cause, causes infertility, height, like it makes him tall mm -hmm. and it makes his hair color a little different. So like he has dark, dark hair, but then his beard, he has like different colors in his beard. Yeah. So it's just, huh. and it happened when his mom and dad reproduced mm -hmm. is when it happened and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, so yeah, it was, and my blood work was good again. He felt my history was good. Um, so our, our next thing we had to decide was they could do surgery on Nick and they would have to go in and extract his sperm. Mm -hmm. Um, and there still was not a high chance because they would extract it and try to get as many good ones as there was or that worked properly but he said our chances were very very slim so we took some time to try to decide if we wanted to do that 
or if we were open to sperm donor. And, you know, the doctor explained there's, you could ask somebody you know, you could go to a bank, just so many different options. And we felt what was best for us was to go to a bank to try to find one. So that was very, um, it's, you just get online. There was, we looked in California, Colorado, um, down South, and I think it was Atlanta. Um, and they just have listed, it's a number, the donor number, and they have their height, their weight, their eye color, hair color, their interest, what degree they have in school. So uh, their genetic history. So just trying to narrow down the list of, oh, that, you know, that doesn't sound like Nick and I, because we were trying to get as close to Nick's personality, Nick's look as we could. So that was, um, we were also debating like, what, do we look at a picture? Because a lot of them provide one picture without having to pay extra. And it's like, I don't want to choose off of looks. Right. Um, that later changed once we had our son. I wanted to have a picture in case he ever asked to see a picture of him. Yeah. And so, you know, I never, like, I never would have thought of that. Like, you know what I mean? I love that you're so open to that, though. Because not, not, I don't feel like a lot of people would be so open to that. I love that. Yeah, it's, it was um, very... Because you, you have to think of things that you normally wouldn't. Like, do yeah. we tell our son that he was donor-conceived? Do we keep it from him till a certain age? Like, all of these what-ifs and how do you navigate it and what's best and um so nick and i decided that it was it's going to be best to let our son know from the beginning that he was donor conceived um we have we know people that were adopted and didn't find out until they were 18 and it you know lying to you know and so, yeah, we just felt that it was best to, at age-appropriate steps, right. to know about his journey and where he came from. And I love that. So oh, my God. We did do, there's also, like, there's closed donors that they do not want contact at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, we chose one that is open to contact from our son at 18, at our son's discretion, if he wants to or not. So that's just something we have to think about in the future. That's another obstacle we have to work then. So, That, like, that, you're right. That is something that a lot of people don't think about. But I love that you're so open to that because there are a lot of families out there that just aren't as open to that. And I don't know how I would be if I was ever in this situation, but I love that you're so open to, you know, letting your son know where he came from and how he got here. And I love that. And yeah. It's going to be so good for him too. Yes. And that's, yeah. It brings up all the, you know, different emotions again. And 
because honestly, you know, you, I forget sometimes, honestly, that he was donor conceived because he acts just like Nick. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you know, Nick's been there from the beginning, so it, it doesn't make, you know, he is Nick's son. So, 1000%. Yes. So we, um, so we went ahead and chose the a donor. Um, let me see where I'm at here. So then since <clears throat> I looked to be all good, we decided that an IUI, uh, intrauterine insemination would be the best route for us to start off with. So Nick, uh, Nick jokes around and says it's like a turkey baster if no but an IUI is. Um, <laughs> he would crack me up during this whole, he kept it light. <laughs> yes. um, so they would just prep my body to time the release of my eggs. And then they would take the sperm in a tube in a, and then just insert it, um, hoping that it would meet my egg because the donor sperm was good. The mobility and everything was good once they un, um, once they thawed it. Um, so we did that. Our first IUI was October 2019, which seems so long ago as well. <laughs> and, you know, we're so excited. You go in there, you do it, and you have to wait. And since it was so long ago, I don't remember exactly how long we had to wait. I believe it was 14 days, seven or 14 days. And I had to take an at-home pregnancy test. So you wake up that morning, you know, all excited, go to the bathroom and, you know, wait the two minutes or whatever it was. And, and then to see nothing was very hard because you're so optimistic that, you know, it's going to work. Um, so that one failed. November 2019, so just the next month, we did a second IUI. And same process, I had to be on medication. The medications weren't too bad, I say. Nick says otherwise, hormonal-wise. <laughs> um, so we did that. You know, he the doctor felt good about it. We did the test, and it was it failed as well. So then you start. Me personally, it was very hard, and I'm sure other women can relate. It was like, did I pee on the stick long enough? Maybe, maybe I didn't do that long enough. Maybe I didn't lay it flat like it was said, you know, in the instructions. And then you start, oh, maybe there is a faint, just a little line there. So it was very hard. Take as much time as you need. Yeah. Okay. I know. I... I empathize with you. I've never been through it, but I can't imagine how you're feeling. It, it's rough. And I understand why a lot of women and couples don't talk about it because it is so hard. Mm-hmm. And especially when at this time, you know, everyone else around us was getting pregnant too so that was hard and 
Um, actually, I got a tattoo during our infertility when we were on a break, and it says, be patient, and it's a pineapple. Because the pineapple represents infertility. Well, the tattoo artist wanted to turn it the other way so everybody else could see it. And I said, it's not for everybody else. It's for me. Mm-hmm. Well, fast forward, turns out when everybody else looks at, at it, it's upside down pineapple. <laughs> which means swingers. <laughs> I did not know that. So it's like, yeah. Oh my goodness. That's, oh, that's my hilarious. life. <laughs> that is hilarious. Oh yeah, so I always have to like, yep, nope. So yeah, I thought that was that's a running joke now with you know us. Yeah. So a little laugh there in between, you know, the emotions. So um Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we have, we joke a lot in our family. That's the best way we deal with it. So, um, so after the two failed IUIs, we had another meeting with our doctor to discuss, you know, what we should do next. And he suggested doing, I'm going to butcher this word, a laparoscopy. I know I mispronounced it, but, um, so I would go under anesthesia. And they would take a camera and just check out my tubes, my ovary, you know, everything down there, make sure it was functioning properly since my blood work was fine. Everything else looked good. And um, it, he actually found out that I had endometriosis and my, my right tube was stuck up on my ovary, which was stuck to everything. So they weren't flowing properly. I had no idea. I had endometriosis, which he was very surprised by. Come to find out, the only symptom I had was, I call it a pooping pain. Mm-hmm. Because I get this sharp, sharp pain. And think, you know, I didn't think your ovaries and infertility would have to deal with the pooping side of, you know, when I I had no idea. So that's why I didn't tell him. Um, And so, yeah, that was my only symptom I had. He um, was able to scrape and remove all of the scar tissue and free my tube open. And that was the worst pain when I woke up and came off anesthesia. It, I could hardly walk. It was very, it felt like somebody burnt me from the inside. God. Yeah, it was that I think that was the most painful part of this whole entire process and um physical pain wise. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. So they um I had to heal from that. Um and I'm not sure. Yeah, that was in December of 2019. So then in January we were able to do our third IUI. All excited this time because I had surgery, you know, everything's good now. And so, and he, our doctor normally only does three, but price wise, 
because we had to pay for sperm, which was, you're going to be surprised, six grand is how much we ended up paying. And I want to say it was six vials, I think it was. Wow. Um, We had to purchase. So, yeah, it was, you know, so IUI was a lot cheaper, but they kept failing, so... Um, we did a fourth IUI in March of 2020 and it failed. So then that's when we had to have another meeting to decide what do we do next? Because at that time we had two vials of sperm left. Um, and we weren't, we didn't necessarily want to purchase, you know, keep purchasing more because we had to buy, I think three vials at a time is what we had to buy. So um, we all agreed that IVF would be the next, the next step. So. So the IVF is in vitro fertilization. That is where they will, they removed my eggs and then they took the donor sperm and injected it. And then they just watch it hopefully fertilize in a lab. Um, That was the longest wait, (laughs) you know, waiting Um, in the meds for the egg retrieval was very intense. Mm -hmm. A lot more than the IUIs. And I would just be raging pissed off over nothing. And then laughing the next minute um, and Nick, he, you know, of course, I would ask him, I'm not that bad, right? Like, I'm good. And he would just agree with me. <laughs> and now he's like, man, it was bad. <laughs> now it was very, very bad. Oh, it's like, well, you know, and at the time I was working. So my coworkers also got to experience, you know, the wrath of it. So it was just it was a lot medicine every day expensive once again um i felt the best way to describe it is i just felt like i was bursting like i was going to explode where my eggs were because the medicine was trying to produce as many eggs as possible they wanted you know 12 or more eggs and some women get a lot a lot of eggs from like 2030 um, we did the egg retrieval May of 2020, so starting of the pandemic as well. So that was also another obstacle. Um, and I just, I felt like I was going to have a ton of eggs because the way I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, when they did the egg retrieval, I had only five. And the doctor was expecting at least 12 or more for for my age and you know my activity level level and everything so that was very concerning for me i was very worried because now these five eggs have to meet with the sperm and fertilize and make it five days um so that was the worst wait i believe even finding out if we were pregnant it was worse than that Um, 
they wouldn't call, you know, I would want to call every day, you know, how many made it this day, but you know, I, I understand why they didn't. Um, we had three of the five eggs fertilized. So we did lose two eggs that didn't fertilize. And then only two of those made it to the blastocyst stage, which means that they are embryos. So our chances were very, very low, but all you need is one. <laughs> and that's what the, kept, the doctor kept telling us, all you need is one. So it was, you know. Um, so then we also had to make the decision, do we get the embryos tested for genetic disorders? So cancer, cystic fibrosis, because all of those things lower the chance of implantation. And then also the quality of life of the child, if the, you know, if the embryo makes it. Um, so we decided to do the genetic testing, even though our chances, you know, weren't very good. Right. But um, side note, my dad was adopted and he does not know his birth family. So we have that whole side missing of my genetics. Right. So, you know, that was one concern of why we wanted to do it um, as well. So luckily they both came back normal embryos. So there was no genetics, you know, they were genetically normal is what they call them. And then also during the testing, we could find out if they were a boy or a girl. So Nick and I decided we've spent this much money <laughs> and we've came <laughs> our let's, you know, we're just curious. Let's, you know, we want to know. So we had one boy and one girl. So that was very exciting. And we found out in June of 2020 of that. So yeah, the next thing was, which one do we transfer? Um, do we let the doctor decide and we just find out later on do we decide and we talked to the doctor and we decided to ask them the embryologist which one was the strongest of the two because they can grade the embryos on how strong they are and um, their opinion was they are both equally good so whichever one and we decided to transfer the little boy so, um, next was the frozen embryo transfer. There's so many steps to. <laughs> oh, yes, so many. <laughs> I'm not going too fast or. Nope. I'm terrible at talking. You're doing great. And All right. I, I just let you talk because I have no idea, like, what's going on. So, I love how much you explain it. Like, I do know what's going on because I remember this happening in real time. And like, that was a conversation that me and Daniel had when we were trying for Hazel is that we, Daniel, 1000% Daniel did not want to get pregnant before you guys got pregnant again. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we didn't want to get pregnant again before you guys got pregnant. And then when Hazel came along, you guys are in that final stage. So 
Yeah, I remember yeah. that a lot. And it was, you know, we had quite a few people in our lives that were like that and very sensitive to it, which was amazing because not everybody gets that when they're on this journey. Yeah. So it is definitely appreciated and because it is hard, you know, on this side of things. Yeah. So um, once again, I was put on more medication. <laughs> I had so much medication that I had because now they were needing to prep my body to transfer the embryo and hopeful hope that it the embryo sticks. Um, so then on eight thirteen twenty. Oh no, that's when it was. Sorry, just a second. You're good. <laughs> okay, yeah. On eight thirteen twenty twenty. We um, had our transfer and just the emotions waking up that day. It's like, you're excited, you're nervous, you're anxious, everything. I was quiet the whole ride to Columbia. It's about an hour drive, Um, but, you know, mostly excited. And the doctor said everything went perfect. We actually, he was Nick was able to be in there for the transfer because once again, COVID was going on. Right. So he got to be in there and we laugh because we say that there was Nick, two other guys and two other women in the room when we got pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, you just wait in a room and then you go in there and um, the embryologist thaws the egg or the sorry the embryo that morning and that was another reason why I was so nervous on the way down there is because since the embryo was frozen there was a chance it wouldn't make it after being thawed um so it's just like you know nail biting to make sure everything was good um and we got to see it on an ultrasound of them releasing the embryo and so that was cool and we were able to video it so we have that it's so cool there are things that we were able to get and have doing IVF where other people you know naturally don't so that's what I hold on to it's like oh at least I have you know I have this so the doctor said everything looked picture perfect and then I had to just wait. They, I had to be on bed rest for 24 hours. And I'll never forget on the ride home, Nick would hit a bump or go over the train tracks. And I would yell at him because in my mind, I'm thinking he's going to hit it and gonna, you know, jumble <laughs> yeah. the embryo, which it yeah. does not happen. That's not true. <laughs> but in your brain, you, you know, you think that. So after, I mean, after all your waiting, like the, the, I think the hardest part of like, not only, you know, losing the couple that you did, cause that's so tough is just waiting, just sitting and waiting. Yeah. Very hard. Cause you just, I'm very, what if person and it's like, yep. and I read back, it's like, well, but you know, this happened and you know, what if this, so, and then you have 
all the advice out there in the world. Of course, I researched it. You know, there was eat McDonald's French fries because of the salt. And so, you know, just little superstitions like that. And it's, they're not scientifically proven, but if it works for this person, it'll work for me, you know? So, so yeah, that wait was long. Um, We, I don't remember how long I tried looking up, but I couldn't remember how long we had to wait for the blood test after the transfer. So we drove back down to Columbia, had my blood drawn. They said, thankfully, it only takes them like one to two hours to get the blood work back. It's not like all day or next day, because that would, oof, that would have been bad. <laughs> um, so I remember we drove back home and we're getting ready to turn into our driveway and they call and so I answer and I have this record the conversation recorded as well and um, she said she was so excited and congratulations that it worked so we were I just started bawling <laughs> with so much excitement that it was still so early that you still had you know wasn't guaranteed yet but so happy and um we went and told my parents right away because they were with us through the whole journey Mm -hmm. and then we told his parents right away as well so then we had to um i had to wait for an ultrasound which normally in a normal pregnancy or natural pregnancy you have to Wait, how many weeks? Like six, is it six weeks, I think? Yeah. For an ultrasound. So we had the transfer on 813 and we were able to do an ultrasound on 9-3. So it was just a few. So I do have an ultrasound. You probably can't see it, but he was just a teeny tiny oh. circle right there. Oh. Um, so that's one thing that we get to have that, you know, not a lot of people do. And then also I forgot, we also have when they thawed the embryo. So this is an image of him as an embryo that's hatching. So this is the embryo and then it's hatching out of it. So, yeah, (laughs) I'm glad we have those, you know, little things. So yeah, we were excited. We just had to, I had to continue progesterone shots every night and then progesterone tabs in the morning and I did that I believe the whole first trimester just to make sure um unfortunately Nick was not able to be in the room for the first ultrasound and if I remember right he wasn't even able to be in there until the OBGYN when we finally got to graduate to the OB because of COVID. So that was frustrating. Oh. <laughs> I was like, ah. I but. remember that because Daniel could only go to my ultrasounds. He couldn't go to any other appointment. He could only go to the ultrasound appointment. And then right after we had her, right after we had Hazel, they let everybody go back in to all the appointments. And I was like, that sucks. 
Right? Like, seriously? <laughs> right. Yeah, it was, it was a tough time for that, for everyone. Yes. So, any questions so far? No, but I just want to say, I remember when you guys weren't telling people what it was, like what the baby was. You guys were holding out, not telling anybody. And you guys were at the house, and Nick slipped up, and I was like, I heard it. I'm not going to say anything, but I heard it. <laughs> we, we tried so hard not to slip up. And, you know, say it, especially yeah, around friends and family, because it was hard not to tell anybody. Yeah. But we wanted it, and we did keep it a secret, because we wanted that sense of normal. Right. Like right. a natural pregnancy would be. So, and we would, instead, so his, he looked like a little duck. Oh, a little that. rubber duck, because like the yeah. beak, the head and everything. So we would call him a duck. Instead of he or she. Yeah. So. Yeah, we had so many people trying to slip us up. <laughs> <laughs> I was never one to push, but when I heard it, I was like, all right, it's between me and you. I'm not yeah. going to say anything, but I know. <laughs> yeah, because everybody knew we had one boy, girl, or yep. one boy and one, one girl. Boy, one girl. We just yep. didn't say when we transferred, so. <laughs> yep. I love that. Yeah. And I, and I love watching Jet grow up. I love seeing his pictures. He's the cutest and funniest little thing. Oh my goodness. He's a little stinker. He, yeah. <laughs> you definitely have your hands full. <laughs> yeah. Well, he does, you know, he does something so honorary, but then. He's just so cute. Right afterwards, he does something so adorable. And it's like, you little yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to remind myself. No, you know, I have to. No. Uh. Since she's our, you know, our last baby. Or that's what we call her. We call her, you know, the last baby. We're not having any more. Um, she just does the honoriest thing. She's definitely like the one who pushes all of the buttons. All of them. Mm-hmm. Look at you and smile, and I'm like, oh, you're so cute. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, dang it. <laughs> yes. Now I can't be mad. Right. Uh. That's what, uh, you know, having to go through all this at first, first of all, we're so grateful that we were able to have him. Um, but now I forgot where it is. <laughs> Gosh darn it. Oh, just the, you know, he's still a toddler. He was still yeah. a baby. So you still have all of the things that come along with that, of the emotions of, you know, I'm so thankful you're here, but you, I, you know, still get frustrated at times Absolutely. and can't get anything done. And so. Absolutely. So, yeah, we had him. Jet in April 2nd, 2021. That was eventful that we won't get into today. Um, but after I had all intentions of going back to work after I had him, that did not work out. Um, so I'm stay at home mom now with him. I love that. Yeah, we're making it work. It's... <laughs> 
challenge. Yes. Yes. It's like budget, budget, budget. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. I've got five kids right now, so like, oh, yeah. it's a little extra than what I'm normally like. I I only technically have three, but we got my brothers living with us, and I'm like. Y'all, you know, we're just going to have a peanut butter sandwich for dinner. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> right? And then the increase in electricity and water and everything else yeah. that comes to Just the price of milk. Is oh. what is, it was like what is so awful right now is because my family will drink a gallon of milk a day. And I got to be like, mm, No. Unless you get, go get a cow and milk it. Right. right like, I'll, I'll get you a milk cow. You can go out there and get some milk. But, like, $5 for a gallon of milk, or I guess it's $4 now. It used to be 5 I'm like, mm, do you really need it? Yeah. That's my brother's growing up. My mom said one of my brother could drink a whole gallon to himself. It's like, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. I'm not a big milk drinker. I I'm only get cereal and yeah, I'm just never have liked it. No, Daniel's my biggest baby. He's the one that drinks it the most. And I'm like, all right, listen, you're a grown man. You can drink something else. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be good for right. you. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes he drives me insane. They're good at doing that. <laughs> For sure. Between him and all the kids and myself, I drive myself insane. Sometimes I just like to start, like, arguments with Daniel just because I feel like it. And then, like, I'm telling myself, I'm like, you need to stop. But I'm still like, I'm, I just want to argue with you right now. Feels mm -hmm. like a good, good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Nick is, he won't argue with me. I've given up trying. At the beginning of our relationship, I would try to argue with him, and he was just, nope, not going there. So he's, I say, I say that his genetic disorder that, or that oh, he yeah. has causes him to be so laid back. <laughs> so, which was a good thing, a good personality to have when we were going through IVF, because it, you know, a lot of marriages and relationships don't make it through because it is very intense. So. With all <laughs> the extra hormones and. Yeah. So. So that was the highlight and the most exciting part of our journey. Um. We had to, we knew we had the other girl embryo and we're, had all intentions, you know, of transferring her, but I was breastfeeding. And so I wanted to take a break and breastfeed my son as long as I could. And we did. So after that, we had a um, consultation again with our fertility doctor. It was around August or September of 2022. And um, we got the green light to go ahead and 
um, start medications all over again. This time it wasn't as invasive because we already had the embryo created. So I didn't have to do the egg retrieval. Um, and so we did that November, December prepped with the medication. And then we, they gave us a couple of dates that we could transfer because they do them all on certain days. Um, so we decided on December 20th of 2022. Um, so excited, you know, and then also with the holidays around also, you know, anxious and nervous. Um, the transfer day felt the same exact as jets. Everything went great on the old, you know, on the procedure and everything. Um, she hatched, or she was beginning to hatch, so we have one of her as well. Aww. It's just how they look different, you know, that when they like hurt. a ladybug. That one looks like a ladybug. That's so sweet. Eh? There's something else on there. Jet carries it around all the time. <laughs> um, so then we had his mom watch Jet just so I could be on bed rest because Nick had to work. My mom helped out, um, so I was on bed rest, and then I'm trying to think back. Just a few days after the transfer, probably like five days after, it was Christmas, and I woke up in the middle of the night just feeling like absolute crap, like I could hardly move. Um, it felt like I had COVID because I did have COVID. Uh, sometime in 2020 is when I had it. Um, oh yeah, when I was pregnant with Jit. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, God. Yeah, it was rough. Like, I felt like I was dying. So, that's what this felt like. And I couldn't move. I couldn't get up. And I, we couldn't do Christmas just because I couldn't get out of bed. And finally, I'm like, I've got to go to the doctor or urgent care somewhere. So we go to urgent care because they were the only place besides the ER open. And I tested positive for influenza A and B. Oh, God. Yeah, both of them. And at the time, I didn't know yet if I was pregnant or not because we were still in the waiting phase. So they gave me a whole bag of fluids and I started to feel better after that, came home slept and slept more. Um, we finally had Christmas, but I think Christmas was on Sunday. We finally had Christmas that Wednesday or Thursday. Just because I was, that's when I finally felt better. So I just, and I, the doctor says, you know, you can't blame it on anything if it doesn't work. But I just felt like I'm blaming it on having the, influenza a and b of why because i need something yes yeah i need a reason why um so i went in for the the blood test and they took so much longer this time to call and it wasn't the normal nurse and the first thing she says is unfortunately 
So as soon as I heard that, I didn't hear anything else she said. I had to, she was on speakerphone. And I had to give Nick the phone. <sighs> because it's like, I, I already knew the answer, but then to hear it confirmed. <sighs> it was just a bad, a bad December. And th thankfully, Nick was strong and was supportive and but it took a lot a long time for me to not cry every day and and I still get you know when I talk about it or just some random day I'll be having a, a fine day but then think about it And a lot of people, you know, I, you speak to, they have their own opinions of that she was just an embryo. It's like, she might have been to you, and that's how you may view it, but she wasn't. No, absolutely not. And that's what I was going to say. I was getting ready to say that, you know, even though she wasn't a a child yet you know she wasn't in your arms you couldn't hold her it's just like losing a child that was physically here and no one should be able to take that from you because that's that is definitely the hardest thing in this life of losing a child for sure and i'm so sorry thank you and also you know we wanted to know the sex of the embryos and it's like did that make it even harder on us or are we glad that we knew because now we're like what would she have been like what would she have looked like because we know <laughs> whether or not you knew you would still have those like wonders you know you know, but you would have either thought he or she. It's just you knew for sure that she was a she. And now you can mourn her, but you can still love her and like know that it's her and get, you know, give her a name. And I think that I think that it's best that you guys knew that she was a girl. And just in my opinion. Yeah. No, and I, you know, I've been back and forth and I'm glad we did know. Um, and. We named her Charlotte Ray, and so that was also another. That's so beautiful. <laughs> so yeah, it was. We um, during all of our treatments and everything, we did share things on Facebook, social media, and then in person, we would tell people more in depth. Um, 
So, and I just now was, I think like a month ago, able to finally put it out there. Yeah. Because it's so hard and I hope other people can relate. I know people that struggle privately with infertility because it's not easy to talk about it and then also get everybody's opinions on it, whether it's good or bad, you know, and what they believe. So I just hope I'm able to help, you know, somebody. I think that you are healing yourself and you are healing others by talking about your story because you're right. A lot of people don't talk about it. They just don't. And, you know, unfortunately that's, that's a, it's getting more and more common. Mm-hmm. It is. And it's, hopefully it is getting more common because people are, you know, opening up and yeah, talking about it. Yeah. And it does help to talk about it. The more I talk about it, the better I feel afterwards, after I can cry. Yes. Yes. It's just, it's a huge toll on you physically, mentally, financially. Um, we we had to add it up recently, and we're at about $40,000. Wow. For the beginning IUIs, surgery, sperm, everything. So it's just when you think about how much, you know, and one of the the things people talk about is, well, why didn't you just adopt? Why didn't you adopt through foster care, which is free or, you know, not as expensive. And it's, this is what we felt was right for our family. Yeah. Um, I love it. Adoption is great. Like I said, my father was adopted. Um, we know personally people that have fostered to adopt and it's just, it wasn't right for us. So. Absolutely. And there's no right or wrong way to do something that you feel is right for your family. Just because it's not right for somebody else doesn't mean it's not right for you. Um, and sometimes, I mean, this is a lot of things that I've heard, you know, granted, I've never had to go through it, but a lot of people do IVF and those types of things because the women want to carry a baby. There's, there's something about carrying your own child. Mm-hmm. And that was honestly one of, you know, everybody, what do you want to be when you grow up? I wanted to be a mom. And then it's like, I wanted to experience being pregnant and that connection that you have carrying. So I'm thankful that we have Jet and we love him to pieces and, but it's just, you know, hurts too. Um, We definitely wanted to give him a sibling, a full-blooded sibling. Because he does have half siblings out there. Right, right. We don't know how many. Um, we know that they have a, a limit set, but, you know. So we just, we want him to have a sibling to also navigate 
being conceived through a sperm donor so he can have somebody be there with him besides Nick and I. Right. Um, so that also hurt not only us wanting another child, also that aspect of it. Um, Jet having a sibling. Um, so we, um, we're not done <laughs> trying. We, um, we will have to do IVF again and we have one vial left that's still frozen. Um, we're just waiting on financials to be able to afford it. Uh, our, our first round, thank goodness, we used, we drained our savings account. Nick sold off all of his toys and, you know, everything. Um, and then my grandfather left some money for our family. So we were able to use some of that as well. So it's just everybody that has helped contribute to us having children is amazing um and the support so that's our we tried to do a um a grant yeah i never want to write a grant again that was the worst thing ever it was so time consuming and so and then we weren't chosen because it was through the whole united states oh and then on top of that, we already have a child, so that lessens our chances because, you know, there's other people yeah, out there who haven't. So I totally get it, but it's still like, okay, now what are we going to do? Trying to switch gears of trying to save for it. So hopefully it's, hopefully we're not done. <laughs> Well, I just have to say that I, we haven't been around for a while, so we haven't seen you guys in person for a hot minute, but seeing the stuff on Facebook and just knowing the two of you, I know that you guys are amazing parents. And next time it's probably going to be twins. So good luck. <laughs> I would be fine with that. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Well, because, you know, when you're first dating, it's like, how many kids do you want? You know, those types of things you talk about in a relationship. And I was so hell-bent on three because I'm, my family, we have three siblings, me and two brothers. He wanted two. And it's like, okay, you know, two's good. So then when all this happened, it's like, we're just thankful for one healthy, but yeah. hope for another sure. so. I used to tell Daniel that I wanted eight. Oh my gosh I, I don't want eight anymore yeah <laughs> <laughs> I always hear two is good but then three is like having six see I have always heard after you have three if you add any more past three it just feels the same mmm and like I, I feel like that's fair because three, three is a tough number. Yeah. I can imagine trying to juggle everything. I think the thing that I'm dreading the most is one I have all girls, 
So the the dramatics and the just the overly extra all the time. I'm not looking forward to the teenage years. Yeah. And I'm also not looking forward to when every single one of them is in something different and I'm running around like a crazy person. I don't know how working moms and then on top of, you know, having to do that as well, it's like, oof. So I'm thankful I stay home right now. Me too. Me too. That is one blessing that me and Daniel have is that I'm able to stay at home with the kids. Um, Even though it's rough on finances, for sure, that like our phones got shut off this morning and it's not because I didn't have the money to pay. It's that I forgot to pay it. Yeah. That was a whole deal. I do that or my internet bill every, every month. I'm like, God dang it. (laughs) (laughs) Like you all are supposed to remind me of this. Come on. Right. Yeah. Our electric, they used to text us a couple days before it was due and then they stopped. And then I started forgetting. (laughs) It's like, ah. We have toddlers. They're supposed to send us reminders. Uh huh. Even though I have it written down on a calendar. Yes. Because yes. <laughs> time, it just it flies by. For sure. If this flies, leave me alone. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, Erin, I really appreciate you coming on and telling your story. And I know it's hard. But I know that there are plenty of mamas that listen who this is going to resonate with them. And, you know, even if it doesn't, like even if somebody is not going through it, maybe they know somebody who's going through it and they know how they can help. Yeah. What would be your biggest advice on how to help a mom going through this? Because I've never been through it. And like, what's something that would help? Just being supportive and not the biggest thing was it'll happen when it's supposed to, you know, that was a hard one or, you know, pray. And I, I get where they come from. Yeah. Well, and I understand, you know, where people try to come from because they're just trying to comfort, but it's, you know, it doesn't make you feel good. Um, Cause it just makes you feel like there's something wrong with you when you already know, you know, there is something. Uh, so yeah, just be supportive and I don't know. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us. I really appreciate it. I'm going to have to have you on again and we're going to have to talk about things that are a little bit more (laughs) lighthearted. But I, I really do appreciate it. And I'm, I'm very thankful that you're so open to talking about your situation. Yes, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm not as nervous now, but I'm not looking forward to hearing my voice play back. I probably <laughs> do it. I get it. I still, like, unless I have to edit, I don't listen because I hate the sound of my own voice. Yeah. And just, like, looking, having to look at myself this whole time um, yeah. as comfort. <laughs> of mine so <laughs> it's pushing I come yes yes for sure when Which I is first a- started doing this I was nervous and I was like I don't know if I can do this and mm-hmm. now I just it's just another thing so 
Next time you won't be as nervous, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll have to think of something, a good story for, you know, next time or something. Yeah. More else. <laughs> All right, mamas, I am going to jump off of here, but I will see you next time. Bye. Thank you.